Welcome to Weird Animal Facts Explicit, a show dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. My name is Deidre, someone who has worked as a zookeeper for 10 years, and throughout my time as a zookeeper and as a normal, everyday person, I have cared for both of the animals of today, as I'm sure many of you have as well. Cats Meow. and goats. Meow. Why are we talking about cats and goats? Aside from the fact that everyone knows that cats are ridiculously weird, and for anyone who has ever met or seen a goat, knows that even though they are a bit gross at times, they do look and are incredibly weird. The main reason why these two animals were chosen for today's episode is because it is the beginning of February! Black History Month? Um, no. I mean, it is Black History Month, but... This is an animal show, so that's not what we're talking about and not the reason why cat and goats were. No. Um, for those of you who tuned in last year, you will remember that February, in addition to Black History Month, is also Responsible Pet Ownership Month. So, just like last year, the first week in February, this week, we'll talk about two domestic pet species and how to be a good pet owner to them. Then, we will finish off with the last week of February talking about exotic pets that maybe you shouldn't have as a pet. Haven't you already done a cat episode? Well, yes, but that was during our Five Senses series, all about the sight. All about their sight. And um, it wasn't just domestic cats. It was cat eyesight in general, where today we will be talking about owning a pet cat and all the fun, exciting challenges that comes along with living with an entitled demon from hell. And let's not forget about those goats. Oftentimes overlooked due to their dopey appearance, goats have been alongside humans for as long as domesticating animals has been a thing. What will be the next animal we selfish humans decide to domesticate? Don't waste your time watching the 2019 movie, as it could possibly ruin your view on not just cats, but also musical theater. For me, as a kid, I loved cats. And I thought I was going to grow up to become a zookeeper, and which I did, but I thought I was going to care for, like, the wild cats, like a cheetah. And a lot of my love for cats came from this musical, Cats. We owned the VHS, I got to see it live, which is the only way you should see cats. Again. Do not watch the 2019 movie because it sucks. The best part about that movie were the credits because it was over. Yes, that's right. I watched the whole thing. I suffered through it so that you don't have to. For those other musical theater buffs out there, you would fully agree with me that the Broadway musical of Cats gives a pretty good overall description of behaviors of many different cat personalities. There's the fat, pompous cat who was spoiled from his owners. There's that lazy-ass cat who doesn't do her job at killing the mice and just sleeps all day. There's Mongon Jerry and Rumple Teaser, um, who are two troublemaking cats who get into everything. And of course, there's Rum Tug Tugger, who is the, the type of cat who is the diva that is never satisfied. For anyone who has ever shared the home with a cat, and I say share a home because, let's face it, you're just cohabitating. You don't own shit. You don't own that cat. Mm -mm. That cat probably owns you. 
For those of you, you should be able to identify your cat in the stage musical. Well, maybe the movie too, but don't watch the movie! But how did cats become so popular, and why? For the musical, obviously, it has to do with the amazing music and choreography, and even better, costuming, which is something the movie was very much lacking in. Like, if you just did the costumes they did in the play versus your own stupid CGI, then it would have been much better, in my opinion. Well, we won't get in the whole thing, but there's a lot of ways they could have made that movie better by not doing it. For the actual animal of the cat, we have to go back to where humans first started to rule over all of land. Farming is where we're getting to. Once we humans learned how to manipulate the land and started to store food, well, that's when all the rodents came to town. And what eats rodents? Wild cats! Meow, bitches! And because humans weren't complete idiots, they caught on to the fact that the more wild cats they had around, that meant the less rodents that were around eating all of their food that they've collected. So, they started to feed the cats, which then eventually led to you waking up with your cat sitting on your face, awaiting to be fed. Feed me, slave. But the domestication of cats is very different from dogs, or even other domesticated animals, as uh, their genes are still very similar to the genes of their ancestors. For example, when you think about a wolf who, you know, the ancient wolves who we've domesticated, I mean, we pretty much fucked them into some Frankenstein monster that has become the pug. But even uh, when comparing cats to livestock, it's still very different. For the majority of domestic animals of today, such as dogs, cats, cows, and yes, even the goat, they all originated in large groups, such as herds or packs, meaning there is always a hierarchy, as these animals have always been social. So, we humans stepped in and artificially placed ourselves on the top of their hierarchy. Or at least we try to, because there are some very stubborn animals out there, aside from cats. Speaking of stubborn, cats! Cats aren't animals that live in groups. Think about the wild cats that you know of. Lions. Okay, not lions. Okay, they are the exception. There's always one kid that has to break the rules, but I would argue that uh, they are still solitary. At least the males, because they'll hunt alone proving yet again that the females are the more intelligent gender, since it's the female lions who have learned to become more successful hunters by hunting in a pride. Girl power. The males are just freeloaders that the females uh, only use for their sperm. Anyways, back to the normal, or the more normal, of the cats. The wild cats that I want you to think about are tigers, leopards, jaguars, cheetahs, because they are all solitary like I am right now. All by myself. Now, think about your cat at home. I don't have one, but I've had cats growing up, obviously. They're like your introverted friend. They only come out when they need something from you or if you force them to. <coughs> Otherwise, they'd rather just sit in that comfy armchair next to that window taking in their sunshine. Over the generations, we humans never tried too hard to change cats at least not in the way that we did dogs. Because with dogs, we've been selectively breeding dogs for, I don't know, 10,000 years. And it's said that we only started selected breeding cats in the 19th century. Whoa, 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 that can't be right. The ancient Egyptians worshipped cats. And I know mummies and pharaohs were way before the 19th century. 
Yep, you are exactly right. But we've lived alongside dogs for 30,000 years. Then we started playing God with their genes. We didn't start fiddling with cat breeds until recently. But people have loved and lived alongside with cats for 10,000 years. In Cyprus, there was found a burial grave of a man who was buried next to a cat with many offerings along them. Ancient Egyptians and their cats were only 3,000 years ago, and we do know a lot more about ancient Egyptians and their love of cats versus the Cyprus people. Egyptians loved their cats so much that they would murder someone even if they accidentally killed a cat. At one point, it was thought that every home in Egypt had a cat. Why? Well, it started for the same reason as the early farmers. The cats helped to save and protect their crops. They even had a cat goddess named Batsis. Bastis? Bast. Ah. Bastis. Okay, so I just googled how to say this name, and it the first video that popped up, it was very weird and seductive. And they said it's pronounced bastard. At least his accent sounded like that, but that's not how you say it. Bastard. That's my best guess. Anywho, this goddess, Bastus, she was the goddess of protection, good health, and pleasure. My guess, due to her slender, somewhat sexualized body, even though she does have a head of a cat, some people are into that. Fun fact, if a cat died in ancient Egypt, the family would mourn in a very unusual way. By shaving their eyebrows. Then, once their eyebrows grew back, it meant their mourning was over. So all you fans out there and people who love me, when I die, I want you to shave your eyebrows to mourn my death. Then once they grow back in, you can do whatever you want. But if they grow like full back in, like Eugene Levy style full back in. Like, I don't want like the little like cactus ones. No, no, they gotta full all, grow all the way back in. The ancient Egyptians actually cared a lot about their cats. So much so that not only would they murder you if you killed a cat, but there were many laws established just to protect them, such as no killing, also no exporting them. Egyptians loved their cats so much that cats were seen as equal to humans, if not better. I mean, and this is actually something we humans today need to work on getting into our laws. Like, if you run over a cat in your car, you're dead. You use live bait to catch a fish, you're dead. You look at an animal, Funny? Well, you're dead. You eat some beef? You're dead. If you kick a dog, you're dead. If you make fun of a dog because it's a dog and you say someone's got a dog face, you're dead. If you use an animal name as an insult, then you're dead. When a cat did die, not only were eyebrows removed, but their beloved cat was then mummified. And mummification was not for the poor proving that cats were seen as better than people. And I think cats still know this to this day. Cats are the pharaohs of the world! And I think because they have helped to protect our crops for centuries, they have earned their right to simply sit on the counter and shove your glass to the ground. They are royalty. They are the kings and queens of this world. And whether you'd like to admit or not, cats have already taken over the world. <laughs> cats are everywhere and their population continues to climb. Reiterating the fact as to why it's so important to get your pets spayed and neutered. Bob Barker was onto something there.
Farmers today will actually find stray and feral cats that find refuge in their barns, and they will actually take these cats, catch them somehow, and take them to the vet so the vet can fix them. Snip, snip. Yes, cats have helped to protect our crops from the overpopulation of rodents, and by murdering those rodents, the cats have also helped to prevent the spread of certain diseases. Deadly diseases, I should add. But too many cats can be a bad thing. Many feral cats, and even outdoor domestic cats, have become a huge issue for endangered species of birds. So the best thing you, as a cat owner, can do is to keep your cat inside. And I, I know it's super enriching for a cat to go outside and experience the outdoors. And uh, if that's something you want to offer your cat, there are actually multiple ways for you to do so without them harming the native wildlife. Train them! And I know this sounds crazy because cats are so fucking stubborn. But if zoos all over the world can train a 600-pound tiger to calmly present its tail for a voluntary blood draw or train a 200-pound cougar to pee in a cup on command, then you can surely train your cat to walk on a leash. Training tip, if you are interested in learning more about training your cat, dog, pet, or roommate, then learn all you can about positive reinforcement. That's giving something favorable to someone for doing something you'd like them to do more of. Like when your husband does the dishes, give him some sex. He might do the dishes more often. And it is scientifically proven on numerous occasions that positive reinforcement, like giving your dog a treat or a belly rub for sitting when asked or fucking your husband after he does the dishes, is way more successful than punishment. The only reason why we humans turn to punishment, like yelling at your dog for barking or spanking your partner, well, I, I mean, I guess some cases spanking can be reinforcing, oh, but not yeah. for what we're talking about now. But the reason why we tend to resort to punishment is because it gives us a fast result, but it's not long lasting. Plus, think about bosses that you've had. Chances are they nagged at you and pointed out ways that you can do better more times than they've ever said good job or thank you. Training is about relationship. And if you punish your cat every time it jumps up on the counter, it's going to develop some bitterness towards you if it doesn't have some already because let's face it, it's a fucking cat. Verse what you could do instead. You can just redirect your cat so that every time it jumps on the counter, you call it over to its tiny hammock hanging from a window and give them a treat. And so that they don't associate jumping on the counter for treats, you'll also have to catch your cat being good. Meaning every time you see your cat on a service that they're allowed on and isn't on the counter, you reinforce that shit, motherfucker. Yeah, hey, good job, cat. Here's a treat. You're doing great. Here's another treat. Fun fact. That's called capturing the behavior. And I know that this sounds like a lot of work, but that's why there are so well-behaved kids in the world. Positive reinforcement. It works. It really does. Look it up. Another and less training route that you can go to keep your cat from negatively affecting endangered birds and bringing them to extinction is to invest in a catio. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard me correctly. No longer are we looking at patios, we are looking at catios. It's like a patio, but for your cat. And there are many different routes that you can go, so to make your cat feel like that ancient Egyptian queen that she really is. Now, in case you're not familiar with what a catio or even a patio is, it's an enclosed porch that's screened on all sides. So it's an outdoor enclosure with shelves and plants. 
Well, for cats, shelves and plants. Because I don't think people are sitting in shelves near plants on a patio. But you can have plants out in the patio for a human. Anywho, some people even have catios so advanced that they have tunnels from their living room to the outside deluxe catio. With enough love, the possibilities of making your cat their outdoor Egyptian dream home a reality is only a few hard-earned bucks away. Yeah, rich people tend to do this. Otherwise, you can train your cat and just be nice to it. Don't be a dick. Scientific names are hard. I do ask my roommate, Emily, to give me the scientific name, which I do not attempt to read until now. Most times I'm horribly out of it, but some of the domestic ones have been easy. So let's open up this sheet of paper and see what we got. Domestic cat scientific name, Velis Catus. Fuck yeah, you hear that? Yeah. Felis Catus. That's how you say it's scientific name, bitches. Bam! It's the transition song. From going to one topic to the next. It's the transition song. So that we have no awkward silence. Goats. Just like Mikey from the Life Serial commercials, they'll eat anything. Wrong! Wrong, 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 wrong! Sure, just like your new toddler nephew or dog who can and will put anything in their mouth doesn't mean that they should! And this is especially true for goats. Many people think if they get a goat, it'll be easy as they'll just eat anything, making diet prep for them so super, super simple. <laughs> you fools! Myself, having had worked with a herd of nearly 20 goats and sheep, can tell you that some goats' diets are extremely picky and it makes them more of a diva than most cats. And some will have stomach tolerances more sensitive than your glycemic mother. Goats can't eat just anything, and they shouldn't. The rumor of goats eating anything, such as an old tin can, is mostly due to old cartoons. Oh, and you know what I'm talking about. It's those same old-timey cartoons where they had Mickey Mouse threatening Donald Duck with a gun. Oh, the sexy legs and questionable antics of better boop. Ah, yes, the good old days of television when we didn't care what we were teaching the kids. Oh, yes, yeah. Today, we do care. And I care because a goat's life may be on the line. And even though goats have a four-chamber stomach, they can still be sensitive. And picky as shit! Not as picky as pandas or koalas, but still picky. As hay tends to be more cost-effective than those precious bamboo shoots and perfectly crisp eucalyptus. Fun fact! Of picky animals in zoos, pandas and koalas tend to be the worst. Talk about the ultimate divas of the world! As for goats, they are browsers, which is different than grazers. Grazers, like cows and sheep, mostly eat things on the ground, like grass and low-growing vegetation. While goats, deer, and yes, even the giraffe are browsers, meaning they eat a wider variety of vegetation, such as bark on trees, leaves, and shrubs. And just like how iceberg lettuce and a banana have different dietary values, so do grass compared to trees. Most zoos offer their large herds of goats and sheep haying grass, such as Bermuda grass, up to seven times a day. But there's also alfalfa, orchard grass, and Timothy hay, which are all common to feed goats in zoos. Oh, wait, I thought grass was just grass? Well, you obviously never ventured into the world of marijuana while you were in college. 
Just like the type of weed you smoke can vary, so can the type of grass and or hay you feed your goats. And it's all to keep the goat healthy. Disclaimer! Please do not give weed to goats. Or any other animal for that matter. End of disclaimer! Just like we all need the right combination of carbohydrates to protein to fat, goats and all animals need the right combination of nutrients to stay healthy. And for all their microorganism buddies in their bellies to do their job correctly, people who have goats need to do the same. Goats eat about two to four pounds of hay per day, and they don't even eat all of it. They'll leave behind anywhere from 10 to 15%. Talk about picky. Fun fact, the goats at zoos also get some fun enrichment food item that's usually provided from the horticulture department, who, as they maintain the plants that grow along the zoo, will do some trimming, and they can take non-toxic plants and give those to the keepers who can give them to the goats. Just like how your cat's ancestors once hunted and ate wild mice, the ancient goats of the world once just freely grazed and ate whatever the fuck vegetation they'd like. It wasn't until around 10,000 years ago in West Asia when humans started to manage wild goats by building fences to contain them so to, uh, well, it would make it easier for them to milk their nipples, shave their fur, slaughter their bodies, and yes, even burn their poo. But because 10,000 years of domestication has passed, goats aren't eating the same things they once were. Look at your cat. They aren't regularly dining on wild-caught rodents. Instead, you give your cat cat food. And in that bag of meow mix has been added many of the necessary vitamins and minerals your cat needs and isn't getting anymore because their job has changed via domestication. Same thing with goats. So, in addition to the four pounds of grass per goat a day, goats will also need grain. Well, not all of them, sometimes. But not too much grain, since most grain is covered in molasses, which is almost a treat at that point, and too much nutrients. Well, I guess it's not nutrients at that point, because it can lead to toxicity. The majority of a goat's diet needs to be hay. At least 50% should be hay. If you have a goat on a farm, it may be easier to maintain the goat's oddly particular diet as they should also be browsing in pastures where they can find all other types of tasty food filled with the needed vitamins and minerals that they may be missing from their hay. In fact, both these hay and pasture grazing are more important to a goat's diet than grain. Oh, and if you're thinking about changing your goat's diet, <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> and I don't just mean because, well, they may turn their nose at it. No, 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 no. See, the real issue actually comes from the microorganisms in their gut, as uh, they are the ones who are doing all the hard work in this digestion process. For more information on ruminant digestion, check out episode 8 on the white-tailed deer and muntjac. Because changing the diet could actually mess up, if not kill, those microorganisms, meaning that you either have a sick goat in your hands or a dead one. So don't fuck up their fiber! Who knew that taking care of goats would be so complicated? <laughs> Me. I fucking knew that shit. But it is worth it. It's worth their gassy burps and their sticky poo and their intelligent way of not shifting even though they're supposed to. <laughs> it's all worth it because goats have some of the most exciting personalities of all animals. 
Yes, they're fucking weird, but in a good way, just like this podcast. And with over 200 breeds of goats, I'm sure that you can find one to fall in love with. Now, I'm not saying go out and buy a goat right now. No, 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 no. You need to do more research than just listening to this podcast here. But if you'd like to love on some ghosts without actually having the responsibility for caring for them, and you just want to be that cool aunt who only shows up for family gatherings and hang out with the kids, but you have no kids of your own, well then know what you need to do, cool aunt. You gotta head over to your local zoo because chances are they have a petting zoo that's filled with goats just awaiting your love. Scientific names are hard. Here is the domestic goat's scientific name. Meh. Capra Hercus. Capra Hercus. Oh my goodness, you guys, this was the easiest scientific name I've ever done. Adding an animal to your family can be very rewarding. But just like you need to think about the consequences of not wearing a condom, you also need to consider if adding a new member to your family is the best thing for you, your family, and that animal as it can be a lot of work. And some animals may bring along more work than others. As much as I love animals, there are some animals I can never have as a pet, whether that's from living in a tiny apartment, to financial reasons, or because my roommate's dog would murder a cat. And these are all things that we need to consider when thinking about adopting a new animal and bringing it to the family. And if you and your family are looking to add a new animal to your home, and you have questions about I don't know, like the benefits of owning a rat over a chinchilla, or do I really need to keep dead mice in my freezer if I want a snake? Then please, please reach out to me before you just go out and adopt those animals. And for more pet ownership tips and fun, keep tuning in to this podcast and listen in on February 22nd, where we learn about two exotic species. Oh, and by the way, between now and then, we'll have our sexy Valentine's Day episode and whales, so don't just skip the other episodes and just get to the responsible pet ownershipness. If you do, that's okay, because I'd rather you be responsible than just, like, listen to me blabber on. I'll see you then, and stay weird.